to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that she practices every day that allows her to achieve a life of success. Today's everyday youth leader believes that her painful experience at a very young age is what helped her influence and define her next step. You see, she wanted to find a way to help others. Her next step was creating Save the Earth Project, S-T-E-P. She believed in the possibilities in her life. And because of her passion to make this world a better place, she's now being celebrated at the Indianapolis Children's Museum. This important life lesson is one that you too can apply every day to step into your life and live your life with success. Olivia Russo Hood is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 43 starts now. Welcome to the program, Olivia Russo Hood. I am so excited that you are on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you are part of this John Maxwell Youth Initiative, so close to my heart, and I have followed you and your path, and I cannot wait to share your story with people. Your mom is a John Maxwell team member, and I want you to talk to people. You are you're 16 years old, correct? I actually just turned 17 two weeks ago. Yeah, I <laughs> thought you had a big birthday here, right? And so... You have been influenced by, of course, your parents for your whole life because, you know, you're still you're still kind of forming your opinions about the world. And so tell me about how you decided in your life to be a leader. What did that look like for you growing up? Well, growing up, I was always surrounded by great leaders, mostly my parents, but my initial Start to wanting to be a leader was when I lost my house in 2010 due to a natural disaster, and my family was homeless for a period of time. And through that process of having to regain everything that we once thought we had and trying to build up a new life for my family, I realized there was a lot of people who helped me get to where I am today. And if it weren't for the work of volunteers, and people who are willing to give their heart to my family, I know I wouldn't have been the person that I am today because I have been influenced by the heart of others. The heart of others, absolutely. And, and we talk about so much in leadership that it is about influence. You know, leadership is influence. And so when you talk about 2010, that's eight years ago. You're nine years old when all this happens. Yes. Crazy to think how young I actually was because at first I didn't really understand we lost everything. Uh, I stayed at my grandparents' house for maybe a week or two, and then there were different people who were willing to watch my brother and I while my parents were cleaning up the house from all the damage. But now looking back and seeing what actually happened and who was truly there to become our new family really change the way that I think about life in general. Yeah, so so when you think back when you were eight, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're comfortable and you're in your house and you've got your favorite toys and maybe your favorite blanket, you know, what are the things 
after this tragedy happened that you missed the most, like the physical things that you thought, gosh, that really gave me comfort, that really gave me confidence? That's, oh, that's a great question. Uh, this is actually a kind of a funny story, but when I was younger, I was obsessed with Barbie dolls. And I feel like that's every little girl's dream is to have a big Barbie house and all the Barbie dolls and little outfits to change in. And I had a very large Barbie house in my basement because that's where my brother and I would go to play. So that way, if my mom was home working, we wouldn't disturb her. And I remember always going downstairs right after school and wanting to play with those Barbie dolls because I felt like I was in control and I knew what was going to happen. And... A couple of other things that I do really miss is uh, I had a stuffed animal, and it was a little teddy bear, and his name was Teddy. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was born, my mom gave him to me, and I remember, I think it was the first week after the flood, and I, I was freaking out. I couldn't find this bear and I told my mom mom I need to find it if I don't find it I'm going to freak out because that was my security blanket Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like Linus had his blanket I had my teddy and (laughs) I didn't ever leave the house without him he always was with me and having to let that part of me go was very hard and uh, it's it's weird to think that something physical, something so small, has that big of an impact on me. And now I have my Teddy 2.0 that's sitting on my dresser right now. <laughs> but having that is a constant reminder that I was torn down at one point, and I didn't necessarily have control of what was going to happen to me, but I was able to rebuild and now have something that keeps me humbled and reminding me that, everything wasn't okay at one point and maybe it won't be okay at another point in my life, but that definitely did influence me to just step up and be the better person. You have such a mature attitude and, and, you know, and thinking about eight to nine years old and a lot of kids, you know, third grade, third to fourth grade, and you're going through this traumatic experience and, and you don't really have any choices, right? You can't say, I can grab that teddy bear again and feel good. You have to just kind of close your eyes and feel like you're going to be able to, with your family, have that confidence through other people to also help you, right? Also help you kind of move, move through that pain because you don't know what that's like until you experience it. You know, people can, people can read about it, right? But, but unless you've actually lost everything, and had to rebuild. You don't exactly. understand that. And so the people that, that reached out to you, you know, you have your grandparents and you have your parents that, you know, that that became a bond. Like you experienced something, and people go through this a lot in life. They may change, and, and so those people that are around them, that are influencing them, that are changing them, that's your bond for the rest of your life for that moment. That's a season. That's a That's a an action, you know, where you will never again be in that same space. <laughs> and, and those people will be able to appreciate what happened at that same time in your life. 
And so looking back, you know, who were those, those few people that surrounded you that really helped impact that change? That is another great question. Uh, I definitely have to say my grandparents that live in Atlanta, Georgia, I call them Gigi and Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> And they always were there for me, and they still are there for me today, and I love them very much. And then when we were going from hotel to apartments and to different other places where we just needed a place to sleep, uh, we had a lot of people from the church that we went to, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't realize that a church is more like a family, especially when you get to know them more and you have some kind of spiritual connection. And I still think about them all the time. And I'm so grateful to have had friends like them to be willing to give their heart to me to do even little things. And I don't remember every single person's name that has helped my family, but I remember the actions that they did, even if it was something small. Uh, (laughs) One of my favorite stories is one day when My brother and I went back to our old house just to clean up a couple of things. There was this person. I can't remember the name, but I remember they bought pizza for everyone on the block. And it was something so small, but it made my brother and I so excited and happy. Even if it was just just something like pizza Mm -hmm. that connected everybody and was able to make us all feel at peace, even if it was for those small minutes that we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. People say if they've, you know, your, um, your experience is what some people could even associate that with a loss of a, a family member, right? You're grieving through a process that you've lost what you knew and what you were yeah. comfortable with and the things that were in your life as a part of to help you, you know, give you confidence and support. And so anyone that's experienced this traumatic loss, it's really the same process. And a lot of people talk about those people that came into their life that, you know, they may not have said, hey, I can, I can be there for you to counsel you to help you. But it was about the pizza. <laughs> you know, it was about, hey, let me take you to the movie. It was about, let me, let me provide something to you. Let me give you something of value that I have that I want you to to be able to appreciate now because yeah. you, you don't have this, right? And so it's that giving of their heart and, and really a church is the family in a lot of cases because that's the way it's designed. That's the way the church kind of mindset is set up that anyone that's in need can come in no matter what to be able to have food and shelter and clothing and they'll find a way. People will find a way to support you. So I, I really, that lesson is so important for people that aren't connected into a community that have experienced loss to know that yeah. that's, you know, that that's something that can help them. Definitely. But I have to say the biggest thing that anyone has ever given me personally and my family is their time. Mm-hmm. Because time is something that is very valuable to so many people and Sometimes we may feel like we wasted time on the wrong person or the wrong activity or the wrong job, but through time we realize that 
we were put in certain situations for a purpose. And even if it's being in a bad situation like my family was in, that process through time taught us so many things. And in the moment, you may not realize what the lesson will be later on. But when that time finally comes that you realize why something happened is life-changing. Mm-hmm. And you, it's fulfilling to know what the reason was. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and people, you know, they always want to, somebody always wants to do good for someone else. You know, I think it's within us, human nature. And, but sometimes people get stuck, right? When they say, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I'll send you an email. I'm so sorry you're experiencing this, but I can't, I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And like you said, I don't know what to do. So what is the right thing? But giving your time, being able to just stand beside you and and have an ear to listen to or go do something with to make you feel like you have support. Right. That's sometimes the easiest thing, but the hardest thing. It's just so, so simple that it's hard. Yeah. It's just funny to think about that and just the concept of giving your time to someone can be comforting all within itself. Mm-hmm. All within itself. You have such a mature attitude about life at your age. And so <laughs> I, I really appreciate you sharing this because as we wrap up the global youth initiative for the John Maxwell team, all of October, you know, you are going to do something pretty special here over the next week. And you're going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana and so the timing of this is really perfect. Tell me about your journey, what you've started your campaign, um, because you were so passionate about helping other people. And then I want to get into what you're going to be doing in this next week. So t- tell me, um, you know, how, how you were influenced because of this loss that you had in your life. And, and then what spurred you on to do the next thing? All right, so this is honestly my favorite story to tell. Uh, Essentially, after the flood had happened and our house had been destroyed, I was thinking of all the people who have given back to my family and to my friends. And I was thinking I wouldn't want anyone to feel what I've been through. I wanted to make sure people had a space to go to and to express what they need in a nice orderly fashion. And I, I was thinking of all these different things and I was praying. I was like, Lord, please give me the knowledge that I need to express what I'm trying to say. And we were living in an apartment at the time and I was thinking to myself, what can I do? And I was thinking, what if I had an organization that was organized around giving back to my community and teaching others how to give back to their community to help affect our global community. And the first thing that popped into my mind was the saying, Save the Earth Project. And I was thinking it would be a collection of projects where we could sit down, evaluate what is the need in our global community, and how could we follow through with that. And so at the time, I would think I was in fifth grade, fifth or fourth grade. That's amazing to think about. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) keep going. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. 
um, we were learning about acronyms at the time. And I was thinking it would be super cool if I could come up with an acronym for what I was thinking. And so I wrote down STEP in huge letters on a piece of crumpled up notebook paper. And I was so excited. I didn't write Save the Earth Projects at the bottom of the page. It was just STEP. And knowing me, I probably put little hearts over all the little dots for the acronyms and little things like that. But I was so excited. I took the crumpled up piece of paper and I ran as fast as I could to my mom. And I said, Mom, I have an idea. I am super excited to tell you. And I just showed her the paper. And I said, this is what I want to do for the community. And <laughs> she looked at me for five seconds and she said, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Mom, isn't it obvious? It's an acronym, and it stands for Save the Earth Projects. And my mom was like, what What does this mean? What is Save the Earth Projects? And I said, Mom, this is how I'm going to make sure people can voice their needs in the world and how we can affect our global community. And she said, that is a great idea, but I'm going to tell you this now. Whatever you do with Save the Earth Projects, Make it your own. And that has stuck in the back of my mind for all these years because I realized Save the Earth Projects isn't just my organization. Mm -hmm. It's the community's organization. And it can be whatever the community wants it to be. It can be certain collections. It can be donation sites. It can be whatever we need to build on. Mm -hmm. And through Save the Earth Projects now, we have done a lot of things to influence our community in positive ways. And I could say confidently, it's not just one project voiced by one person. It's multiple projects voiced by the community of people wanting to go out and make a difference. And so some of the things that I do is I do little activities during GYI, Global Youth Initiative, whether that is speaking to kids that I know at the YMCA or talking to a group of college students and how they can affect the community and telling them my story and how their story is equally as important. Or it's me setting up donation sites for Leave a Good Footprint. Leave a Good Footprint is a shoe drive where we collect gently used shoes and we send them all across the globe. And I found out after my birthday that we reached our goal of collecting over 40,000 pairs of shoes these past couple of years, which is amazing. And there's a whole bunch of other things that we have going on, but it's mainly people voicing what they need and Save the Earth Projects and that group of people trying to find out how they can best suit that need. So for people, when you say you were you know, you've created the Save the Earth Project group, right? And so anyone in the world can join that through what they believe will help others. Yes. Even if it's something as small as giving someone their time to listen to a problem that someone's going through or mm -hmm. something like donating $5 to the food pantry down the street. It's small initiatives that build up to the big projects. That's so true. 
Where did you get this thought process? Where did I get the thought process? Yeah, just like, you know, you're you're 17, right? And and yes. at at those young ages being influenced, having all this this experience. But, you know, you're really unique. Everybody's mm-hmm. unique, but your gift is something something is spoken to you in your spirit to be able to really influence the world. And so, and we talk about how much that is leadership. But some kids that could go through the same thing may not have the same perspective and same experience. Where do you get this drive? Where is this inner spirit within Olivia? That's a great question. I feel like this inner drive, like you said, people are different and people may process things different. And this is actually kind of funny. I'm learning about analysis in my English class right now. And it's all about breaking things down and finding out what did the author or the person who wrote this mean by saying something. And I feel like if I were to analyze myself and figure out where this drive truly came from, I'd have to say it came from my faith and just believing in God that my life isn't just my own. My whole life is dedicated to serving others and giving back. And at first, when I thought about this, because I've thought about this many times when people ask me, "How? why did you want to start this? The first thing I think about is, uh, if it wasn't for me having some sort of faith and believing in something, and believing that I'm not here for myself, I'm here for others, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'm very open about my faith. <laughs> and I never mean to offend anyone by saying this, but I believe that my life was made to give back to others. Because if I give back to others, that's like giving back to myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everything that I receive is just more for me to give away for others in need. We're not meant as people to just keep on collecting and keep on gathering things for ourselves. We're meant to give things away so that way everyone can have a taste of life at its best. So important. What a great lesson. What a great lesson from a youth for so many people. (laughs) I mean, some people never get this message, Olivia. You have been really, God has given you this this um, ability to have this dream, to have this spirit, to have the ability to communicate what your passion became through an experience. And so it's so wonderful just that you have the confidence, you have the mentorship as we talk about the people involved in your life to be able to give you that confidence to communicate your message because... You know, some kids that may hear this, some adults that may hear this say, yeah, I I had an idea like that when I was little, or I have an idea like that today. But the people around me go, yeah, that's not such a great idea. You'll never be able to do that. You know? That's the biggest problem in the community right now. And I feel like that was one of the biggest problems with me wanting to start Save the Earth Projects is that the people who you surround yourself with are the people you become. 
and that is so important to learn at a young age because sometimes when we're young we're so focused on oh my gosh who's the popular kid or who's the kid who's the most talented or who's the kid that's going to get the sports scholarship when they get older but the more important thing is who do I want to be when I'm older or who do I want to be right now Mm -hmm. and People say, oh, my dreams are too crazy right now. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm in a rough spot right now. And that's understandable. A lot of us do go through rough patches in life. But the most important thing to remember, faith or not, your test is your testimony. So all of the things that you may feel like are too hard to accomplish or all of the things that you're going through right now that you may feel like are too hard to get through, your hardships and your struggles in life are overall going to become your story. And I tell that to every group that I talk to. I tell that to my kindergartners that I read books to on Thursday evenings. And I tell that to the entrepreneurs that I may talk to on a Saturday night. But I always remind them that everyone is meant to have hardships in life. And if you feel like you've never had one, then maybe yours is coming soon. But that's (laughs) be afraid of that's something to prepare for and get ready for maybe you're scared about a promotion that you may be getting or maybe you're scared about a test that's coming up in your class but the important thing is to remember that all of the hardships and all of the obstacles were put there for a reason and you were meant to conquer them Amen. And, you know you speak about this as you've lived it you have such an old soul I'm sure people have told you that. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's actually very funny. One of my favorite teachers, when I first met him, he said, oh, my gosh, your name is Olivia. And that's a reference to one of my favorite movies, The Color Purple. And mm-hmm. in the movie, the little girl, they said they named her Olivia because her eyes are big and wide, just like an old person's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that must be Olivia has an old soul so every time I see my teacher he's like hi Olivia and I I love it so much (laughs) it's so true because you speak into these reference points like hey if you you know ready for this job promotion you know and so many people go through this you've not experienced that before but you speak into it like you've been there you've lived it because you had this other traumatic experience and that's where people really need to kind of step back and reflect and think, you know, we're all the same. We're all put on this earth to really live into our potential. And it's about connecting and feeling like we're a part of something bigger. And understanding that people have gone through maybe not the same experience, but you've gone through kind of the same process in and what I say yours is is loss, right? You you had grief and loss traumatically. And, and what you did with that, how you reacted to that situation is what has brought you to this point today. And because of your belief, you had to believe in yourself. Exactly. And I know for me, it, it was very hard for me to believe in myself, especially when there was people who thought, oh, you're too young to do this. Oh, maybe you should wait a while. But It was me being confident in what I believe in 
there was many people who believed that I wouldn't be successful. Mm-hmm. Especially the first time I ever collected shoes for the YMCA, which was our first collection ever, my goal was to collect 100 pairs of shoes from November to Christmas Day. And people would come up to me and they'd be like, oh, honey, you're just so young. Are you sure 100 pairs of shoes? Why not 50? Why not just 10? And I said, no, I want to collect 100 pairs of shoes by Christmas Day. And by Christmas, we collected over 1,500 pairs of shoes, Mm -hmm. which was way over what I thought we could collect. But I stood my ground and I believed in what my heart was telling me to believe in. Mm -hmm. And that was to be confident in what I wanted to be confident in. Well, we're so proud of you. It's just amazing to follow you and your passion and your story. And I hope through this message that other kids that have ideas that may not have the parents specifically like you did, right? That your mom said, hey, okay, what are you going to do with this? But, mm-hmm. but, you know, kids may not be able to communicate to the people that are closest to them, you know, that, that this is something that they really feel passionate about, an idea. And so it's having that ability to have the confidence in yourself to find that person, right, to find that teacher, to find that youth minister, to find where whatever it is, maybe a friend's parent, right? If you don't have those people in your life right now, stay focused to your passion and know that don't give up on it, right? Right. And the thing is, if you can't find someone that's on the same path as you and has the same kind of headspace as you right now, go find those people. Go to a local coffee shop and just start talking to someone. And for me, I <laughs> this may sound a little funny, but I love talking to big crowds of people, but I get very nervous talking to maybe just one or two people individually. Uh, (laughs) It sounds funny to me to say that, but I feel more comfortable talking to crowds of people. And one thing that I had to try to grow into is communicating more to one-on-one Uh, conversations with people saying, this is what my story is. This is where I want to go with it. What's your story? How would you like to run with it? Mm -hmm. And just trying to find people who are in communities that I'm in. So I'm a very big music person. I play multiple instruments and I just love performing. And so my clan, my tribe of people is in the giving social community, but also in the music community because that's how we communicate through the music that we create or the music that we just play in general. And some people, may, they may not be talkative kinds of people, and they may not be music people like I am, but there's people who have math talent. I, <laughs> I try to be one of those people who's really good at math, but I'm kind of average with it. But people can join communities like a math club or communities like sporting events to something that drives your passion and helps you express who you really are because communication isn't just talking verbally. People can speak in many languages such as music and math and different kind of arts. It's all about where you can express yourself freely and communicate with people who understand you. And today more than ever, 
social media allows you to connect through apps, through Mm -hmm. environments. You know, if we want to go get food, we get on Yelp or we get on, you know, some kind of some kind of a format that tells us what the best place is or what's the most popular place. So you can start your journey, start finding it, whether it's basket weaving or flower making or, you know, playing a sport, yeah. right? It, it, the YMCA, there are so many things that can influence you instead of just feeling like there's nobody else that understands what you're going through in your journey. And so yeah. it's great, great lessons from you, young lady. You're just amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh my goodness. So when I think about the John Maxwell book, I teach uh, the 15 invaluable laws of growth a lot. And it has probably been the biggest influential book for me personally and those closest to me. And I think about all the lessons in that book, the 15 lessons, and we talk about intentionality and awareness and design. And so, but I think one that sticks out to me for you, and, and I just want you to think into this for a minute, but it's the law of trade-offs. So the things that we trade off for the things that we see ourselves wanting to do or wanting to go into or wanting to journey into, but there are things that you have to give up in order to be able to really live into your purpose. So at 17, what are those things that you're thinking about that you're saying, yeah, because I have this passion, I've, I've had to give up some things. It's actually funny that you're saying this because I have this conversation with my other grandmother. I call her my nana, and I speak for all the time about what things I feel like I kind of missed out on being an entrepreneur at a young age. And she says, do you feel like you lose some things at some time? Like, do you feel like you've missed out on having a childhood? Because instead of going to slumber parties, I'm going to meetings with the mayor or going to city hall or (laughs) things that normally a 10-year-old wouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. But I think about it, and I see that, first of all, not everyone has the same experiences. So to say, did I miss out on my childhood is a broad statement. Mm -hmm. And... Because you Sometimes, were, you've designed your childhood, right? That's, yeah. I designed it the way I felt like was the best for me to be successful at a young age. And sometimes I do think, wow, I wish I would have gone to that party. or Oh, man, I missed that sleepover or little things. But I've been able to do more things now than I thought I could have at 10 years old. I have a very close friend, and I love spending time with her and going to different places to eat and just trying out different places and exploring different things in my community. And I have another friend where we just connect with music, and we talk about that for hours. And some people think that my life is only in one headspace, but my mind is all over the place in a good way. Sometimes you can say your mind's all over the place, and it literally is everywhere. But I kind of organized my life to the point where I can make free time for 
the things that I enjoy, and I can make time for the work that I need to be finished. But the most important thing is I made time for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something everyone has to listen to because sometimes I forget to make the time for myself. But that's the thing that helps me stay grounded and to stay humble because when you work so hard that you forget who you are, that's when you overwork yourself and you overwork the people around you too. And I'd have to say I didn't miss out on having the childhood things. There was a point in time where I did have those things. I did play with my dolls and I did like playing dress up. And now I'm in the point in my life where I'm exchanging time for myself. Mm-hmm. Free well, time for myself and work time for myself. Well, because you've really thought into at at this point you've had success in following your path and you decided you know that you were going to stay to this purpose. And so everything has kind of then fallen around what you believed. And and this is this consistent pattern, right, of being able to say, I have, I'm building my confidence to go speak into this group of people to help and encourage them. What was it like the first time you spoke to a group? Did you have fear about that? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious, yes. <laughs> I was petrified. The first time I ever spoke to a group of people was actually a group of JMT members (laughs) and I had just turned maybe 10 or 11 years old Mm -hmm. and my mom said why don't you tell them your story and it was maybe only four or five people but I was horrified I didn't know what I was gonna do and I was just thinking like oh my gosh they want to hear my story they want to listen to me and it was the first time I realized more people need to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the meeting that we had, after I had built my heart out about what my beliefs are and where I want to see myself in the next couple of years and where I want to see Save the Earth Project in the next couple of years, both me and the group of people were able to realize the importance of my story and the importance of theirs and how they were able to give back to the community, and how we all were able to give back in a way that was effective. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who are afraid to share their stories, sometimes because their stories are a little mature for other people to understand completely. But when you're able to build up yourself and build up your stories that way, you can say it the best way you know how, that's what makes the difference. Yep, that's what makes the difference. It's it's getting that confidence around knowing that it's okay, right? Giving yourself the permission to mm-hmm. to publicly, whether it be with one person or three or four or a lot, right? Or hundreds, like you said. Yeah. Um, walking through that because it is really fearful people you know, maybe they're influenced by people around them that say, nobody wants to hear that or don't have that attitude or, you know, we don't, we don't think that that can get any better. You know, whatever you try to do, it won't be successful. And so 
you're such a great inspiration for everybody that's kind of maybe stuck and saying, yeah, but I can't change the world. I'm only one person. <laughs> this is actually, I've been saying this a lot lately, and I've been realizing that it is very true. It is the work of one person who makes the difference to the masses. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people may say, you need to help the whole world. And then other people may say, oh, I can't help everybody. But the truth is, if you're able to help one person, that makes a world of a difference. Because if you help one person and you make them motivated, they're able to help one person. And that one person may go on to tell 10 people. Those 10 people may tell 10 other people. And that's how motivation works. It doesn't just stop at one point. It is a continuous flow and circle that goes back and around again. Mm-hmm. It really is. And and I, I love this, and I'm going to bring this up because in the 15 Laws of Growth, <laughs> the chapter on consistency talks about this. And it says specifically, motivation gets you going, discipline keeps you growing. And having the discipline to say, I am the change that I want to see in the world. I am that one person. I am that one catalyst. If I do this for someone else or about something that I'm passionate about, it will inspire that next person to be able to have confidence in themselves to do their great thing, right? And that's what you're doing. You're living it. You're teaching it. You're experiencing it. And you're growing through it because... Who knows what's going to be next for Miss Olivia Russo Hood? <laughs> I can't, I cannot wait to see your life unfold. It's I can't wait either. Pretty. I'm super excited for all the things that I plan to be doing, and who knows, maybe my plans won't be the way I think they are. But I am definitely excited to see the next generation of people behind me step up. No pun intended. <laughs> step- <laughs> make a difference because right now our society is in a situation where we have to decide what we want our future to be and for me I'm not able to vote yet I'll be able to vote next year but (laughs) this is amazing (laughs) go ahead (laughs) I'm a strong advocate for people going out in voting because there's many people who may sit at home and say, oh, I'm not going to vote because my one vote doesn't matter. But they don't realize that one vote may make the difference mm-hmm. in their community. And even if it's small politics or big politics or in between, I feel like it's very important that people are confident in vo- vo- blah, sorry, voicing their opinion, even if it's something as small as voting people may not realize the impact they have on the world just by doing something like choosing the person they feel is the right fit yep that one thing that one thing that one vote that one action that one engagement that one idea right it's that one thing it's that one thing so 
Miss Olivia, tell me about what's coming up. I know you've got some exciting things happening this coming week, but tell me what's going on. With Save the Earth projects, we have a lot going on right now. We're currently in development of a couple of projects that I'm not able to say what they are right now. <laughs> oh, come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> we are very excited to be able to now create a platform where we are able to help everyone in the community be able to build on changing the world, but in their circle, sphere, the comfort of their own home. And we're developing different projects where we're able to get people engaged in different ways. And I'll soon be starting up a YouTube channel for Save the Earth Project. Awesome. Where we're able to uh, help other people voice their aspects and ideas on society and what we can do to step up and make a difference. Uh, doing a couple of things in that region. But we also have a couple of projects that are ongoing right now. I already mentioned Leave a Good Footprint, uh, but also Step Up to the Plate. That was started by my brother a couple of years ago, and it's all about teaching kids and adults about uh, local hunger, childhood obesity, and community gardens and how we can all get involved and helping the community in different ways like that. Uh, funny story on how that was started, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my brother is a very big eater, and he loves eating everything. <laughs> I swear, he's like one of the people on the Food Network that eats a whole bunch of food and tries to compete with all these other people. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's me. <laughs> I'm not that adventurous with my food. I have been these past couple of years, but that was actually because of my brother noticing that I was very closed off on what I would eat. And he told me one day, sis, you need to step up your eating habits. You need to try to expand more on things. And in all honesty, I was very nervous because I didn't really like eating vegetables and fruits because A, I didn't know where they came from. B, I didn't know if I would like them or not. And he was thinking, well, what if we grew a garden? And I was like, okay, we can grow a garden. I'm fine with that. And so for a couple of months, we grew all kinds of vegetables and fruits. We grew kale and basil, different spices, tomatoes, a whole slew of things. And... It came harvest time that my brother was like, sis, you grew this. Are you comfortable with at least trying some of it? Because it's delicious and we made it. And I said, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'd be willing to try it because I knew where it came from and I knew the people that were growing it. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I tried from the garden was kale. And this is when kale just started becoming super popular and the first recipe was we tried was kale chips. And I can tell you, kale chips are probably my favorite food to date. And I could eat a whole bowl, massive bowl of kale chips on my own. But I could tell you, if it wasn't for the initiative of someone saying, well, why don't you try to grow it? Or why don't you 
tried to do this action, I probably have never would have never touched kale mm-hmm. because it's green and leafy, and I wasn't really interested in that kind of thing. But being able to grow it and see the process of it growing and learning more about these things, I was open to doing it. And so that's how Vincent was able to make Step Up to the Plate. That's awesome. That's a pretty amazing story because, again, you know, he's your brother. You're in the same environment. You guys are influencing each other and really making a big difference in the world. It's yeah, what an incredible, incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to build up on all the stories that we have across the world of people wanting to start up different things. We have a lot of friends all over the world. One of my best friends, she lives in Singapore. I have friends in Australia and the UK, uh, almost everywhere, really, Africa. And they all have individual stories that I am so excited to share. That's amazing. You are one special girl, and I am so glad we're connected um, for life <laughs> because uh, you're such a great influence, and I, I really want to help share your story and and help you inspire people that can that know that they can do something, but they don't know where to start. So you've really helped us. I, I think as I write notes here, I'm looking at all the different things that we've talked about, but it's... For Olivia Russo Hood, it's application. You can learn it, but do something with it. Understand. Understand that you have the power to apply all the things in your gifts to do something for the world. And that's, that's a pretty incredible task that you've learned by 17 years old. <laughs> so, wow. Tell me, um, I, I don't want to leave this without us telling everybody what you're getting ready to do. Uh, in Indianapolis, because this is somewhere near and dear to my heart at the Children's Museum. You've been asked to participate. Yes, I am super excited. A couple of months ago, I received a letter from the Children's Museum of Indianapolis, and I had been surprised by this letter. I had won a $2,000 scholarship. But on top of that, I am one of the winners of the Power of Children Award, which is a major honor, and I will be recognized along with six other winners and will be in an exhibit with Ryan White, Ruby Bridges, Anne Frank, and a couple of other kids, and I am super excited to meet all of these awesome people who are changing the world and I have to say, I am super excited, and I can't even find the words to put together the feelings that I'm feeling because I'm now realizing the impact that Save the Earth Project is having, and I'm not usually the person to uh, come out and say I'm very proud of myself. I'm usually proud of others and the work that they're able to do but I have to say I'm very proud of where I am now as a person because if you would have told me five years ago you're going to be in the world's largest children's museum, I would have been like, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But 
seeing who I am now and who I used to be, I have to say is a major transformation and I can only thank God for where I am right now. Mm-hmm. You, Olivia, are such a sweet soul and we are very, very lucky to have you in this world. The Children's Museum is, uh, they're in for a treat <laughs> as you come to Indianapolis this week and you are celebrated in this special exhibit. I I want to congratulate you. That's um, an amazing story. You have an amazing life. It's only begun. And you are yeah. going to be really um, honored and able to help so many kids find find their purpose and in adults. You know, it's not just about this youth leadership. It's anybody can do it. You just have to believe. You have to believe and apply those beliefs to the world. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're six years old or if you're 60 years old. You all have a dream that you've had away for so long, and now is the best time to go and express it. Mm -hmm. The world is ready for a new generation of motivators and speakers and different developers. Why would you want to hide your gift from the world when you know that you can help so many people? Yep. It is about others. Well, Olivia, thank you very much for coming on my program, for being a part of my journey, for being an everyday leader in your life and helping others really understand that this leadership is about influence and as you influence the world, best of luck to you, darling. Thank you so much. It has been an honor speaking with you. Thank you. I will see you this weekend at the big event at the Children's Museum. Excited to see you. Yeah, me too. Have a safe weekend and thank you very much again for being on the program. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guest from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful Newfields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.